Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witts University in Johannesburg, South Africa. Very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Kobus, you know, we've talked about this for years on the podcast, I mean, really years, about Chinese wildlife, environmentalism, conservation, and those words don't always go together very well. In fact, um, I would say that worldwide, the Chinese have one of the worst reputations when it comes to uh, wildlife conservation, and that has been made worse by their engagement in Africa over the past 10 years, in part because of, uh, you know, sharks, pangolins, elephants, rhinos, pretty much name the species, and at the other end of that uh, happen to be the Chinese, the huge, vast Chinese market where a lot of these endangered animals are going. So it's not surprising that, uh, the, that the reputation of the Chinese in Africa uh, when it comes to wildlife is uh, nothing short of horrific and terrible. And Kobus, one of the other things that we've talked about over the years is kind of what's being done now to change that. And, you know, you being in the media side on the, you know, the Chinese media has been rather inept, I would say, in kind of communicating a different narrative to this. And in fact, it's sometimes very difficult to do. If you remember, we talked, uh, I would say about six months ago, was it, where we talked about when Xi Jinping visited Africa, parts of his delegation were reported to have bought illegal ivory. So it really just goes from bad to worse. But before you get too depressed... We actually have a very, very good story today here. And there is a shift afoot here. And this is some of the things that Kobus and I, we get into fights and disagreements and struggles with Western environmentalists on social media who kind of put the Chinese, that word, that kind of one word under a giant umbrella and lump everybody together. But there is some very profound change going on, particularly among the younger generation. In China, it's happening on social media, but it's also starting to happen on the ground in Africa. And the evidence of this is the team over at China House Kenya. China House, if you'll remember, we've had the founder of the China House Kenya, uh, Huang Hongxiang. Uh, he's been on our show for a number of times. If you don't recall, China House Kenya is this fantastic organization. It's a social enterprise focusing on helping Chinese investments uh, better integrate into Africa. And lately, uh, in the month of June of this year, China House Kenya sponsored uh, these kind of partnerships with local environmental groups to do desnaring events. And so here to talk to us about those desnaring events and some of the wildlife activities are two members from China House Kenya, uh, Huang Hongxiang, the founder, and also Sunny Huang, who is the Wildlife Conservation Project Manager, joining us today from Nairobi, Kenya. A very good afternoon to both of you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, let's start with you, Sonny, right away. You are newly arrived in Kenya, uh, and you came from Hong Kong, where you were studying at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, and you came to, to Nairobi, and you've joined China House Kenya, and you participated in the, the, these, uh, de what you call these desnaring events. Why don't you just kind of set everything up and tell us about what is the desnaring events, what are you trying to accomplish, and who are you doing it with? Okay, thank you for having me here. So, um, starting from the disnaring event, basically it's um, you know a joint effort um, activities that's supported by Human Society International and our local partner Eno African Network for Animal Welfare, and we have successfully organized three of these events that involves Chinese volunteers. And what we do is that we send our volunteers go out into the field and we 
uh, looking for those um, wire snares and remove them because they are set to trap. Um, they are set by the locals to trap wild animals for their meats. And by removing all those snares, um, we can lower the risk of endangering local wildlife. So yes, basically that's what we do. Um, Sunny, so you you say that you um, work with Chinese volunteers. Um, who are these Chinese volunteers? Like from from which you know kind of area in society they come from? And how did you convince them to actually work with you on this? Um, actually, this disnaring event it goes way back because uh, hunting for bushmeat has a long history in Kenya and many other African countries, but uh, many. Chinese people, they, they might have heard about this. And we are, what's so unique about our operation is this is the first time we invite local Chinese community. There are individual volunteers, or some, some of them are from uh, media groups and some of them from business associations. We spread it out this information uh, through our WeChat platform. We told them there is um, um, opportunities to join such operations that they can really, you know, um, get close to the nature and really see what's going on and see those injured animals and make a difference. And actually, a lot of them are so interested in this. And um, the first um, operation, we have around 20 uh, Chinese volunteers. And the second operations, we have also 20 22 volunteers and many of them are from CCTV Africa and we got media coverage and they also um, shared their experience through the social media and so that they really raise wider attention among those uh, Chinese communities in Kenya. Hongxiang, you know, the, the, the Chinese both at home and overseas don't have a well-known reputation for volunteerism. This is something that is relatively new, I would imagine. What is the reaction when you first organize this and when you actually go out in to do the desnaring event, when you're seeing locals and local partners, when they see a whole group of Chinese expats show up and want to do something like this? Because I'm sure they may not be used to it. Well, actually, I would say a lot of the Chinese, they do have a huge potential to participate in volunteering. The first time I realized that is when I was in Zimbabwe. I was very surprised because I saw a lot of the Chinese volunteers who are essentially working there for different kind of Chinese companies. They joined the local NGO's action and they went up to the street to clean the garbage on the roads. And what I realized is a lot of the Chinese potentially here in Africa. They want to do something like this. They want to do something to contribute to the society, to make some difference. It's, it's just like in the past, there's a huge communication gap. They do not know where to find this opportunity, and there's no one organizing them to join hands with the local group to do that. So this time, actually, when we, are calling, when we were calling for the Chinese volunteers, a lot of the Chinese, they want to participate. In fact, they're now asking, when's the next time? When's the next time? And... When we bring these Chinese to the local NGOs and events, at the beginning, some of them would be surprised because they saw a lot of Chinese joining join this kind of activity, and this is not something like we had before. 
they were surprised, but then they dis they started discussion. They know each other, and then I think it, it turned out to be very great. Both sides, they understand much more about each other. And was there any reaction on the part of locals in terms of seeing, again, they're not used to seeing Chinese people show up. Were, were locals surprised that you wanted to be involved? Well, it's, they, they were surprised a little bit when at the beginning. Actually, I remember when it's our first dictionary event, when we were there on the ground, when we were about to go into the field to do the dictionary, there's a local a local staff, he was walking he was walking by, he, was, he saw us, he was surprised. He actually stopped and, and watched and asked what's going on here. So I would say, yes, they were surprised. So uh, did you get any pushback from local local communities? I mean, obviously, this, you know, from a Western perspective, the snares is this horrible thing that hurts animals. But from an African perspective, it's you know kind of it's it's part of the local economy. The bushmeat economy, as you as you mentioned, is very old. It's something to eat. Um, you know, kind of did you get any kind of criticism from local people saying, "Hey, why are you removing our snares?" Well. During our events, we didn't run into that. I think the main reason is because we're working with the local NGO group and conservationists. And also, this the, this, the snail thing is not legal here. But I guess that would be an issue when we are actually meeting and talking with the poachers, which we didn't run into. Sonny, when you did the event, and, and you know, I just want to get a little bit of your first impressions as a young Chinese who's recently arrived in Kenya. Um, what was your impression of your interactions both with the other conservation groups and the, the act itself of participating in the desnaring event? Um, honestly, I have to say that although before I personally came to the field, I uh, draft many, you know, promoting materials and spread them online. But when I saw all those injured zebras, with my bare eyes, it was quite impressive and shocking to you know to know how um, to, that I can empathize with the suffering of those wild animals, and I come to appreciate more about the nature, the wildlife in Africa, uh, apart from just seeing the photos and video clips from uh, you know the cold screen. So it was quite shocking. Hey, Kobus, let me ask you a quick question here and just to get your, your take on this, because when I posted up a link from our website of some of the pictures that uh, Hongxiang and Sunny sent us about the desnaring event, I posted it up on my personal Weibo account and I got just really excited responses from people. I mean, there was just a lot of thumbs up and this is fantastic and it really shows you the energy in China for this type of event being done by Chinese people. Talk to me a little bit about how you think the perceptions in African media of seeing Chinese environmental activists now come into the space that was once dominated largely by, by again, Americans and Europeans and white people, for lack of a better word, uh, n n you know, as we're talking about foreigners. Obviously, there's a big environmental movement uh, on the ground locally as well. But talk to me about what you think the media kind of imagery and take on this might be in places like South Africa. It's a short question with a long answer, The um, but I'll keep it short. Um, I think on the one hand, I think people will generally 
you know, kind of, okay, in the first place, I have to say, I haven't seen any reporting on this. So, you know, kind of, so it's, it's a bit of conjecture. But, um, you know, kind of, I, I would predict that, uh, that on the one hand, people would be pretty impressed and happy with it. You know, kind of, I think there's a lot of concern, both in South Africa and in Kenya, about poaching and, and about this kind of erosion of wildlife. Um, and a lot of, obviously, a lot of affection for, for wildlife. Um, that said, the affection for wildlife is a middle class thing you know kind of it's a thing that that you know kind of for for people who have access to to some form of tourism some chance to see these animals in real life um and so the affection for animals is a middle class thing in africa the way that it's a middle class thing in the rest of the world um i think there's there is another issue which is that africa is, is very used to and i think and sometimes uncomfortable with being the one who always has to be helped um, and I think there is a danger that Af of Africa becoming just always the helped one, always this kind of blank slate where concern lands, go, where concern goes to travel. Um, you know, so so you get a little bit of a feeling, uh, Angelina, Angelina Jolie type of concern safari situation happening in Africa frequently, which I think draws up a cocktail of very complicated emotions from Africans, um, including some resentment. And I think there is a line to walk here because China has generally branded itself as something different from the West. Um, so, you know, kind of China falling into the same kind of patterns of concern, helping, thinking of Africa as a wild environment rather than an urban environment, thinking of all of these animals and, you know, kind of the, the innocent animals and the evil locals trapping them. There's a danger here of, of China kind of stumbling into exactly the same role as the West and essentially getting kind of, you know, in a sense, painted with a brush you know that is painting the West because remember the West is a very very resented in Africa. So I think it's I think it's complicated. And Hongxiang, how do you, as the organizer of these events, take what Cobus has said into account to try and avoid some of the missteps that Western environmentalists and Western countries have done in the past, so that you can do something different? Well, I would say for us, we are also just learning like how to do because like the host while the, the white people have been doing this conservation in Africa for a long time, for Chinese to do conservation in Africa, this is just the, the real beginning. So we are just starting. I think what we are trying to do is, first, we are trying to understand like what the local people really need. Like We start from the need. Essentially, how we come up with this kind of like action events is because a lot of the local NGOs, they're asking us whether we can help them engage the Chinese. So we start from the, 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 the needs on the ground instead of like coming with a strong idea about what we want to do so we start from the need and then we try to we try to make it just like uh, like we try to do it like humble way try to make it like just the normal part of the life of the normal Chinese people in Africa they come here they join the they join the events they walk on the ground they try to dismay they they walk and laugh with the local people I think we are not trying to to say like, oh, the Chinese are doing something really, really great here. We are not trying to, 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 to do that. We just try to help the Chinese communities integrate into the normal African people's works and life. I think that's kind of like our approach. Sunny, um, so I was, can you give me an idea of what, what role these events are playing in the lives of the actual Chinese community in, in Nairobi? Is, is it a situation where people are 
are getting to know new people? Are they, uh, you know, are, is there, for example, you know, kind of connections being formed between volunteers and NGO people and business people that didn't exist before? Is it a networking event? Like, what, what kind of a, you know, kind of kind of event is it for for the actual participants? Okay, so, you know, our um, our key message, our big picture is to engage the Chinese people living in Kenya into the wildlife conservation activity. So under this big picture, it's a very complicated you know, work. On the one hand, we need to work closely with uh, local NGOs and we need to get their help uh, to learn from their rich experience and also some logistic support. But in the other hand, we also need to strengthen our ties with uh, uh, local Chinese communities. Maybe there are um, some groups, associates, companies, private sectors. We need to um, talk to them in, into our, you know, uh, make them understand that what we're going to do. And maybe we find a common a common benefits between these two, you know, uh, between the local NGOs and the Chinese communities. It's very subtle to find and locate and to articulate their common, you know, common interest. But luckily through this, uh, this narrowing events, we really are really glad that many Chinese people, their, their attitude is, is was quite good actually. They really come to appreciate the environment, the natural resources that they are, you know, interact with because they are not like the tourists because they are living inside this country. They are um, long-term, um, they are long-term residents. So what's happening around us, um, they they feel it's relevant to them. So it can really empathize, they can really empathize with the, um, the, the nature, the wildlife. I think that is, um, eventually they can spread this message out and we can build a positive image of Chinese communities in Africa. And eventually we can, you know, really challenge all those stereotypes about Chinese people. Well, it's interesting. You talk about challenging the stereotypes. And at the top of the show, I mentioned how there does seem to be a profound shift underway in Chinese society, both at home and as you're representing abroad. I mean, you know, we've just come through the, there's a dog eating festival, for example, in southern China in uh, every year. And every year for the past few years, the level of protest has gone up remarkably. And in part, it's gone up on social media. uh, But it's also there are protests that are now uh, happening on the ground in very, very large numbers. Uh, one of our, our colleagues in Shanghai, uh, Tendai Musakwa, he's done quite a bit of research on social media, and he's done a lot of translation of, uh, of kind of popular opinion on social media regarding uh, even African wildlife. And I believe, personally, that part of the reason why Xi Jinping and the Chinese government to have been kind of forcing through these changes in Chinese policy about ivory, for example, all the way up to the announcement of the, the, the ban on, on ivory, which we've still yet to see the details, is in part because there's a generational shift. And he, Xi Jinping is aware that he's playing to that part of the, of the base. So I guess, you know, Sonny, that's the last question. I'd like you to reflect a little bit as a kind of a representative of this generation. Of course, China is a very diverse society, so you can't speak on behalf of, of everybody. But I'm curious on part of your generation and your views and how you think Chinese young people, college students, are evolving, changing, adapting their views on wildlife conservation based on your own experiences? 
Okay, so maybe I share a funny fact with you because I am coming from the exact province that that's hosting the dog eating festival. <laughs> so, but I um, from my personal experience, along my whole you know childhood, and I never ever uh, have eaten any dogs, you know. But I think what's this uh, right? It got so many international attention. Is also uh, social media is one of the biggest factor that some people are really making you know a big deal out of this. But not every, um, especially the younger generation in China, are not dog eaters. And so, um, what's funny is sometimes the strongest protesters they they. Um, strongly against this dog festival. They are from China. They are from China, and they are from my province, and they are younger generation. So I think it's not about um, you know we, we we I don't like to make it a you know a nation nationalism things about this issue. So I think um, the social media is really turning the situation around because there are many. People like us, like the China House, we are getting started to really challenge all this stereotype. I think through our effort, maybe it, it takes time. It's uh, we still have a long way to go, but step by step, we can um, we can really spread out the message that there are Chinese young people like us that we really want to make a difference. That is a great way to end the show, Hongxiang. If people want to get involved with the amazing work that you are doing in Kenya. Let's say they're Chinese listeners in Nairobi, which I presume we have a few of, and they want to participate, or they want to follow along from overseas to be able to watch what you're doing. What is the best way for them to stay in touch? And just to kind of keep abreast of what you're doing so they can learn more about this and, and be able to even maybe contribute, either it's money, resources, whatnot. What's the best way for them to connect with China House Kenya? Well, for them to connect with us, I think the best way is they can follow our Facebook which is China House Kenya, or they can just like Google my name and find my contact on LinkedIn and so on. They can even find my emails uh, if they find online. And uh, the way to, to the way to contribute maybe is like to help us spread the information that there are some Chinese who want to do some positive conservation works in Africa. And there's a chance for collaboration between us and a lot of potentially international organizations or even companies. And Sunny, I know you and I are Weibo friends, so what's the, can people follow you on Weibo if they speak Chinese? Um, yes, I think the best way is uh, follow us on the China House Facebook, because right now we don't have an official Weibo account yet, but we are building it. So maybe the Facebook will be the best way to get in touch with us. Um, Kobus, if people want to follow you, you don't have a Weibo account. So uh, at least as far as I know, Kobus, you don't have a Weibo account. I'm 0 for 1 right now. But uh, what's the best way for people to stay in touch with you? They can follow me on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash China Africa Project. And we aggregate China Africa news on a daily basis. And you can also find me on Twitter at Stadenesque. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And I should also point out that a lot of each of the desnaring events we have actually covered on our website at ChinaAfricaProject.com. The team over at China House Kenya has been great about sending us pictures and text. So if you want to take a look, you can just go right to the homepage. There they are. Uh, 
all the pictures and you can kind of visualize the amazing things that are going on uh, with these desnaring events. And Hongxiang and Sunny, I hope that you'll send us more pictures. Uh, and we are also posting these uh, on our Weibo account for our Chinese listeners at uh, Weibo.com, Zhongfeixiangmo. You can find that uh, with the pinyin there. Also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at eolander, E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. And finally, if you want to follow this podcast, just go into iTunes, type in China, Africa, and boom, we'll come right on up. And we would be so grateful if you could leave a comment or a rating because it makes it much easier for other people to find the show. And we just really appreciate it. So we'll be back again very soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening.